Hello, everyone, and welcome to another live edition of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. And as always, I am joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Swatha. I am ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist for, yeah, and yes, I'm here. <laughs> 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 she is here first. So, Spotha, today we are continuing our theme leading up to the 2021 ACB conference and convention. Uh, folks, please join us at the ACB conference and convention this year. Uh, you can give ACB office a call or you can check out the website acbconvention.org. Please join us, be part of the conversation, and when you do, you will be able to join us on tracks like we're discussing here today. So Swatha, what, what is the track that we're highlighting here today? So today's theme is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And our guests today are um, Peggy Garrett, who is the Multicultural Affairs Committee Chair and President of Blind Pride International, Gabriel Lopez Gafati. Hey guys, how are you? Hi, thank you for Hi, having Clark. us. All right, and, and of course, a big thank you to ACB of Minnesota for underwriting the ACB advocacy update. In addition to being live, this will air as the advocacy update podcast, uh, where you know, folks can download and stream it via your favorite podcast player and we will be on ACB radio. Um, we are live on ACB radio right now, but we will be uh, in the, the typical advocacy update time slots for streaming on ACB radio as well. All right. So, Swatha, are we ready to jump in here? Yes, let's go. Both to both your head. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, um, Peggy, can you tell us um, a little more about the Multicultural Affairs Committee and what you guys are doing this year as advocacy work? Yes, yes. So um, I really want to share with you all, too, because I don't know how many people know, but the Multicultural Affairs Committee was established in 1986. So the committee actually turns 35 this year as ACB is turning 60. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, the committee was established because during that time period, they saw a need for support for people of minority backgrounds who were experiencing a lot of discrimination. And because those needs weren't being met, the Multicultural Affairs Committee was set up. And for 35 years, we have a mission of making sure that everyone in the organization is welcome, embraced, and included and treat it just equally. Uh, over the past year, we have been really, really busy. Uh, just a lot going on right now. I guess the most current thing we have other than the convention is that next week we're holding a focus group uh, discussing a book, uh, Snow Falls on Cedars. And if you all are on the list, of course, which I know everyone is, you will know that that is coming up on next Thursday. That's really an, an interesting book that we're discussing. Um, I, I don't know, you want me to go back over the year or you just want to talk about what's going on right now? Because we've been a busy group for the last year or so. Yeah, and Peggy, last year, uh, about this time, we had a conversation with uh, Kenneth Simeon Sr. as well as Verlencia Samwa, uh, mm -hmm. you know, shortly following the, the murder of George Floyd, um, that took place, you know, the, the conversation took place last June. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I'm curious, uh, what has been the experience, either your personal experiences or the experience of the Multicultural Affairs Committee over the past year? Well, as I said, we, we have been extremely busy. Personally, uh, I have been involved locally in some of the activities going on. I didn't actually go out and participate in any marches, but I have been supporting uh, the social movement, uh, just with all the discrimination and Black Lives Matters, Black Lives Matter, and and those types of uh, of groups, 
you know, it's it's amazing that in some ways I see change, and in other ways, I, when you watch the news, really and truly, I don't see that much has changed. Um, mm -hmm. Really and truly, when you look at the situation 35 years ago, while this committee was actually set up, there haven't been a lot of changes or progress in some areas. But as far as MCAC, starting with last year, uh, with with the death of of George Floyd, we became really involved in Black Lives Matter, supporting that, but not just Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, but people of color in general. And what we've noticed is that while there have been some changes and more uh, focus on the issue, uh, the the same discriminations, the same things continue to happen. But as a as a committee, we co-sponsored a resolution last year. Uh, that asked that more diversity training be implemented in ACB. And that happened. We had a, a, a training session uh, with Jane Dunham last year that I thought was really good. According to board members, they thought the information that was imparted was great. In addition to that, we held a couple of sessions on inclusion uh, where it was open to anyone to join, just to basically understand that people are people whether they're people of color or, or people who are Caucasian, whatever, we're all people when we face the same issues. And a lot of the reasons that we have some of those issues that we have is because we don't take the time to talk, to get to know each other, to understand one another, because we may come from different cultures or different backgrounds. We don't understand that it doesn't really matter. We all have the same goals and the same issues in mind, facing blindness, and facing discrimination because of that. Uh, in addition to that, we also partnered with uh, uh, the Next Generation uh, with their Black History Program. We work with several other groups to uh, just make sure that everyone is included to talk about how we can make a better, a, a be, be better as a people, not just separate, but all together. Uh, our, our theme this year, is ACB together. We are always trying to make a difference, reach out and make sure that everyone is included. Uh, our, our mission, as I said, is inclusion, uh, embracing people of all cultures and, and all, all, all diverse populations and backgrounds to make sure that they feel welcomed and that they're able to use their talents, to use their uh, education to contribute to the organization because the more people who include it and the more diverse, the better the organization is, the stronger we will be and be as one. Yeah, so going off of that, um, you mentioned diversity, diversity training um, in ACB. And um, just kind of, I want to ask further, like what progress have you seen? What progress have you seen within ACB, just like from, you know, 35 years ago until now, like what kind of things have, have happened, what kind of have changed, it, positive or negative? Well, starting with the, with the uh, sessions that we did last year after the social unrest and everything was going on, uh, the training with the, with the board, uh, and, and then of course the sessions that we did as a as MCAC, but also there's been more outreach from other groups to MCAC to include us. Uh, we've outreached to other groups. And in the past, a lot of that didn't happen. But I, I do believe that focusing on the issue, opening people's eyes to why the issue is there, the racism that does exist, sometimes people aren't aware of what's actually going on. And what we focus on is just basically inclusion. It doesn't matter who you are. I, I have always felt like there are so many untapped treasures in the American Council of the Blind. Uh, there are people who have so much to offer, but they're out there. They're not being encouraged. Some of them are not comfortable to step up and, and offer for fear of being rejected. So it's a two-way street. People have to step forward and offer their talents, but then those who are in leadership positions have to be willing to be open and receptive. 
And I do see that that is beginning to happen more than it has in the past. And I think that's a really a, a great positive uh, step for ACB. Great, that is awesome. And it's great to hear, especially for me and my generation. Um, yeah, so moving towards Blind Pride, um, Gabe, can you tell us um, about the affiliate and what you guys are doing, what you guys are doing? are doing to support the LGBT community? Sure, thank you. So um, as you all know, my name is Gabriel Lopez Cafadi. My pronouns are he, him, his. And um, just to describe a little bit for um, everyone, I have a shaved head and I have a light beard um, wearing glasses that are amber. And uh, I have a pride uh, polo shirt that has uh, stripes uh, all across, you know, the colors of the rainbow. Um, and I am wearing a dark blue jacket. So, so I thought to answer your question, the, um, our affiliate Blind LGBT Pride International or uh, commonly known as BPI in the ACB family, we, um, our, prim our primary goal is always to uh, educate and bring awareness to the intersectionality of those of us who are blind or visually impaired members of the LGBTQ community. And we do that through outreach, um, support, education, and um, we also uh, practice a lot of advocacy. We are primarily an advocacy organization and um, we were incorporated as a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind in the year 2000. So we're 21 years old this year. And um, uh, along the course of our history, we started off with a different name. Back then, uh, we were known as B-Flag, which was Blind Friends of Lesbians and Gays, which uh, in 2009, we decided that um, we needed a name that was more encompassing and more representative of what we actually do and um, primarily we're blind, um, but we're proud uh, members of the LGBTQ community. And um, we're international because we do have members um, in different parts of the world, not only within the US. Um, BPI, I like to say that BPI is a very unique organization, not only in the blind community, but in the disabled community and in, in the LGBT communities at large because we are uh, the only organization that has been established representing that intersectionality. Um, commonly, the disabled community has been overlooked by the LGBTQ community. And uh, this has a historic reason um, for being, because um, the LGBT community has had its fight of its own. So uh, prior to Stonewall uh, at the end of the 1960s, um, the LGBTQ community was not visible at all. Um, people had to hide their sexual orientation for fear, out of fear of being oppressed by mainstream or being judged or being deemed as whether either it be have as having a psychiatric condition or as being immoral um, by um, certain religions or you know religious groups and um, prior to Stonewall people had to hide and Stonewall was very monumental because it brought forth a lot of change a lot of, a lot of visibility for the LGBTQ community and that's when we started um, demanding our our voice be heard and um, come along BPI, uh, we had the same struggle. Um, at the beginning, um, there was a lot of controversy with the formation or the incorporation of an affiliate that represented those of us who are blind and visually impaired members of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community within the ACB family. So um, that's, that's how uh, we come to that intersectionality and we are still, uh, bringing that awareness to both communities, um, bringing the awareness to the blind community that there are those of us who are LGBTQ. And uh, on the other side, we're bringing awareness in the LGBTQ community that there are some of us who are either blind or disabled. 
Um, so that's that's the work that BPI does. Uh, we do a lot of advocacy um, within um, inclusion, diversity, equity. Um, we have partnered not only with our parent organization, ACB, uh, we always have a representation at our um, DC leadership meetings. Uh, we also have collaborated with other organizations like the Human Rights Campaign. And uh, we also um, like to have a big uh, sh uh, representation at um, ACB's National Convention. We have always a robust program. Um, we also have a fall social networking event for our, uh, all of anyone who wants to join us to have some fun just outside of the responsibilities of convention. Um, we've done things like cruises or Vegas or New York, um, Denver. And um, some of the other things that we do um, also you know, have fun, also uh, educate while having fun. And uh, we've also brought forth uh, some resolutions to the forefront of ACB um, to request that the NLS incorporate an LGBTQ category in the, in the BART platform. Um, we've uh, also had uh, resolutions uh, requesting that ACB does not hold uh, conventions or large gatherings in uh, places that do not have an LGBTQ protection or mandate. And uh, we've had interesting conversations like uh, the conversation about pronouns and inclusive language, uh, which happened last year and it was very, very well received uh, by ACB and the leadership. So I'm gonna make a pause there um, just to not give everything at once in case you have other questions or comments. Yeah, thanks, Gabe. Uh, you know, I enjoyed your your personal description. Uh, I'm here with uh, light light brown hair, you know, white male, wearing a, a me solid medium gray shirt, and I feel slightly inadequate. You know, usually they say don't wear stripes on camera, but something tells me you are rocking <laughs> that rainbow striped shirt with your blue jacket. I hope so. <laughs> no, I, I, I know it's, yeah, it's, it's looking good. <laughs> it's Pride Month. That's right. And uh, give us a little bit more on, so June is considered Pride Month, and you mentioned Stonewall. Um, how did Pride Month get started? So Pride Month actually got started with Stonewall, um, and that was uh, last year celebrated 50 years. And... Um, the the um, what happened was that it got to a point where um, people in this famous iconic now iconic bar called Stonewall in New York City, um, people used to meet basically in secret, and um, police uh, was uh, in charge or the police had orders of arresting anyone, any person, any any group of people who gathered in a public venue who were of a homosexual orientation. So what happened in Stonewall was basically a revolution. <laughs> so uh, the folks at Stonewall uh, 50 years ago, 50 plus years ago, decided to fight the police back and say we're gonna stand for who we are and we're gonna stop hiding because we are who we are and uh, we're gonna be we're gonna start to be out and about and you know we're gonna make society accept us for who we are and that's how pride was born because see I, I like to tell people that uh, sometimes people I do have this question asked myself sometimes people ask me why do you have to i mean we we know you're gay why do you have to wear a rainbow or why do you have to display uh pride as such an important part of your personality and i just tell people that when you haven't experienced oppression you don't know the opposite so mm -hmm. pride is basically a response 
pride is the opposite of hiding pride is showing the world that we are proud of who we are because when we used to hide it was practically admitting that there was something to hide it was admitting that there was something to be ashamed of so again the opposite of being ashamed is being proud so we are proud of being who we are and that's how pride was born because uh we like to also commemorate june because a lot of people were you know if it weren't for the courage of those folks back in uh stonewall and in other places in new york city and san francisco uh we wouldn't basically they paved the way they opened the way for those of us in newer generations or later generations to be able to a be treated equally uh and b gain um civil rights because uh lgbtq rights are civil rights you know the right to uh be able to serve in the military the right to be able to marry the person we love the right to be able to um, have a will in which we can, you know, inherit our properties or our assets to our loved ones, even though if they are not um, direct family or if they're not the opposite sex. So all these rights are, are things that came after Stonewall, and that's why we always celebrate pride with pride. <laughs> wow. Great. Yeah. And, and and we're certainly glad that you will be, you know, proudly out and about celebrating 21 years of BPI at the convention this summer. Uh, give a sense of the just the the, the broad swath of programming and the, wow. the different subject areas that you'll have at the convention this summer. Okay. Well, as always, near and dear to my heart, I will start, and I know Clark, you will appreciate that. I will start with saying that we do have a couple of wine events as always yeah. <laughs> as always um wine has become wine tastings have become a staple of bpi so we're gonna have three different uh tracks in terms of wine you know uh, more traditional wine virtual wine tasting with some surprises and some incorporated new uh additions we're gonna have uh, with a collaboration uh we're gonna have also a um session on grape to glass and then we're going to have a dual perspective uh, between wine make, winemakers and wine drinkers, myself, or yours truly representing wine drinkers, of course. And um, we're also having a couple of independent films on um, audio description with audio description by, uh, through the collaboration of Audio Eyes, um, independent films that uh, are uh, LGBTQ in topic. And uh, we're having some sessions on um, uh, legal aspects on how to protect your partner, whether same sex or um, uh, opposite sex. Um, we have a very, very impressive um, show with um, Mr. Eric Marcus, who's a, a, a gay historian. Um, so he he's very, very happy to collaborate another uh, a second, a third time with us because he's done a lot of programming with us. Um, gay history, making gay history, and it's uh, he's recently unveiled the uh, history of uh, the HIV/AIDS pandemic and how it affected the uh, LGBTQ community. Uh, we're having a mind-body wellness event. We're also having a sound immersion, 3D through sound. Um, and uh, we are having another of my favorites uh, is A Night of Opera Arias uh, in collaboration with Jason Castingway. So uh, that's going to be uh, very, very nice. And we challenge you to come come to that one, even if you don't like opera. And I know I'm missing a couple, but uh, we do have a couple of other um, educational pieces on therapy uh, and uh, the intersectionality of being blind and LGBTQ. Great. So just to give my description, um, I am a short Indian American um, woman. I'm pronounced as she, her, and hers. And I have wavy black hair and uh, wearing a sparkly black headband. Um, and I just want to ask Peggy um, about her convention lineup, convention lineup and a favorite event she's looking forward to this year. 
Okay, so uh, MCAC is hosting our annual program on Sunday, which is July 18th. And it is going to be a wonderful panel of people from various cultures. Uh, we decided to do something a little different this year uh, because since we don't have our luncheon and we only have the one program that we're, we're doing, although we're co-hosting a couple of others, we decided that we wanted to do something that was fun. It's been a really heavy year full of just so many stressful things. And so we decided to do something that would be fun. So we have Anime Aldesia, who is from the Philippines. We have Art Capanella, who is from Hawaii. He's president of ACB uh, Hawaii uh, affiliate. We have uh, Catalina, uh, her last name is escaping me right now, uh, from Minnesota, who is uh, also a member. And we have our very own Swatha, who's going to be on our panel this year, who is representing India. So we wanted to do various cultural backgrounds uh, just to have some fun with it. Talk about traditions, talk about music, uh, poetry, dance, food, uh, just traditions from the various area, different cultural backgrounds. Uh, so that is going to be on Sunday. We're really excited about that. Uh, so Swatha, I want to hear some really good recipes from your country because I love Indian food. So <laughs> not that I don't love Hawaii and all of that too, but I, I love absolutely love Indian food. So whatever you want to share with us will, will be great. But um, and then in addition to that, we we are co-hosting uh, with APH for the audio description program. Uh, that is going to be, I believe, on, on Monday. I may have my days out of order trying to do all of this from memory. But they also are going to be, and it's interesting that we talked a little bit today about the descriptions and all of that, because that is one of the topics that is going to be discussed during that particular session. Uh, the importance of, of, of self-description, how people really feel about it, how do you describe yourself, and if, if that's something that everybody is comfortable with doing. Um, we, you know, and I, I, I really hope I get a chance to participate on that call because uh, I, I think that's something that I've heard both negative and positive feedback on. And we talked a little bit about it area earlier today. So, uh, and then the other session that we're, we're also uh, co-hosting with is ACB Families. And that session is going to talk about integration of the schools for the blind, uh, how it took place, how people were affected. Uh, we, we try to get a panel of people from various areas around the country. We know what it was like basically in the South, but we wanted people from other areas as well who can share what they went through, how it affected them positively, negatively, and then to compare what it's like, say maybe 10, 15 years later, and even up till now, uh, how the the integration has affected people, how they feel, are they comfortable, are they uncomfortable? How would they change things if, if they could or just where that situation is? As far as, as my favorite part of the convention this year, you know, of course I'm partial to MCAC sessions, but when I looked at the program, gosh, there's so many things on there that caught my attention. I can't really say I have a favorite. I just I'm going to be all over the place almost as badly as I as I am when I'm at a, a in-person convention because ACB conventions offer so much. Uh, you look at that the schedule and everybody is offering something that is of value and is of interest and it's just hard for me to say any one thing that that's uh, that's more interesting than the other. Uh, I'm just going to get in, get, you get as much of it as I possibly can. Great. Um, so I just want to kind of jump topics here. Um, as you know, June is Pride Month and Saturday is Juneteenth. Um, I just kind of want to ask, um, this year we are incorporating um, LGBTQ, LGBTQ history and disability history into our um, events and mm -hmm. kind of talking, um, so I want to get your thoughts and your feelings and your um, goals, goals for those sessions in 
what are your thoughts on the such and standard goals for goals goals for them? So yeah, the um, the uh, topics or the sessions that we're having in terms of LGBTQ history um, are mainly uh, to educate and bring awareness to the community. Because like I was saying earlier, um, we we are an intersectionality. Uh, so we are a little bit of both. We are a combination of LGBTQ and uh, blind or visually impaired. So the awareness that we need to bring to the LGBTQ history um, and the education is uh, for people to learn and understand, mainly for mainstream, um, to understand um, where we come from and how uh, the evolution of our society has brought us to where we are, how there has been a lot of fight to gain civil rights, how we are equal, how sexual orientation is not a choice, and um, bring a little bit of also uh, clarity in, in terms of, you know, uh, some topics that people don't like to talk about because they feel they're taboo, uh, like for example, the difference between sexual orientation and sexual identity, or um, what has been very uh, popular and very, very uh, in the forefront of everyone's mind uh, in the last year or so, which is the um, inclusive language and the use of pronouns. And most importantly, just that awareness of what the history of uh, of the minority of being LGBTQ has been in the last couple of decades. Um, there's also a big um, uh, education piece uh, towards the uh, HIV AIDS pandemic and how it affected and stigmatized, uh, especially gay men in the 70s and 80s. Um, and we have seen, uh, it, it's amazing how we have seen with the pandemic uh, of uh, COVID-19, we have been so, we have seen so many similarities in how it unfolded. Um, obviously, it, it, the difference is that back in uh, the 70s and 80s, it was believed that uh, HIV only affected gay men, um, while, you know, COVID-19 has affected everyone. So it's, it's, you know, it's, they're both, they have been both deemed as pandemics and, and we have to uh, point out uh, now that we've all lived through a pandemic, uh, we have to point out the, uh, w what it felt like back in the day and, and how, and how we have come through um, getting rid of that stigma. And um, ultimately, what we plan to do and what we expect to achieve is also uh, bring that, bring it back home, bring it back to that intersectionality of those of us who are um, LGBTQ and uh, blind or visually impaired, because believe it or not, there is not enough awareness out there. There's not enough education out there in terms of um, disability. The LGBTQ, LGBTQ community also needs to learn, understand, and embrace that uh, part of the community is disabled, whether it be uh, visual impairment, which is what we do, um, but there's other disabilities and vice versa. Uh, it's always good for our, uh, not only parent organization, ACB, but the blind community in general to understand that there are some of us who are LGBTQ. And Peggy, speaking of education and awareness, uh, Swatha mentioned Juneteenth coming up on, on June 19th. And I know growing up in uh, public schools in the state of Maryland, I did not learn what Juneteenth uh, is or, or celebrated. Can you share with us a little bit about Juneteenth? Yes, Juneteenth was started because when the slaves were freed, it took two years, two years for Texas to let their slaves know that they were actually free. Two years from the date that the war ended and the slaves were free. So it became a celebration uh, 
I, I, of course, I'm not from Texas, but from what I've learned is that it actually started in Galveston and moved around the state. Uh, it is celebrated now across the country. I'd never heard of Juneteenth until about 15 years ago. Uh, it just, it wasn't something that was included in history books. It was not included even in black history books. So it was something that was only celebrated in certain areas, Texas, Louisiana, and I think maybe even into Mississippi, a little bit of Alabama, but it was not a countrywide uh, observation. But it is a day that it, it's just, it's, it's like, a, Black Fourth of July in a sense, because there are barbecues, there are all kinds of programs and people just get together and just really celebrate freedom, celebrate the fact that even though it was late, they finally got the information and people were able to move around the country in more freedom than they'd ever experienced in the past. I, I love it because it's another day to have fun and get with your friends and go to the park and the beaches. And uh, But there are also serious programs too uh, that acknowledge people who are responsible for the freedoms that we do experience uh, as people of color. Uh, there are cities there are that are named for those folks. There are different parks, there are churches. There are all kinds of historical sites around the country. Unfortunately, a lot of those sites have been destroyed uh, and I know you all have heard a lot about what happened with uh, the Greensville city where, in, uh, where the city was just actually destroyed by fire, never to be rebuilt. Then they built a, a highway right through the city and those folks were just devastated. And even their descendants, even to today, uh, are still feeling some of the remnants of what happened uh, with that as a result of, of, of of this, having their whole town, their homes, their businesses and everything destroyed. But we try to focus on the positive and remember those folks who, do, who did make contributions, uh, who made a difference, whether it was through education, whether it, it was through business or whatever contributions that they made that are encouraging our, our children and, and or their children, their grandchildren, as well as our children of today to stand up to be the best that they can be and to be willing to, to just still continue the advocacy process that, that's in place that's needed to make sure that our children, grandchildren uh, experience what we have and even better. So Juneteenth is, is, a, is a wonderful day and I hope everybody goes out and has some barbecue to celebrate it. And I, I love that it falls on a, a Saturday this year, also Father's Day weekend. So, you know, folks are yeah. going to be out and about spending it with family and friends. A full weekend of celebrating. That's right. And Peggy, you touched on uh, personal descriptions in the, the session, I believe, with APH at the convention this year. And it, it mm -hmm. seems like there's some you know, personal preference on uh, whether to do a personal description or or not to, it's similar to pronouns, right? Whether to say your pronouns or not. There's another session uh, with the audio description project on yes. what should be described and how to describe you know, race, gender, ethnicity, uh, or sexual orientation in audio description. And that's certainly one that I'm looking forward to. I'm curious if you have any, any uh, thoughts or anything you'd like to share about that session? And actually, uh, Clark, that was the session that I was referring to. If oh, okay. I said APH in, in, in ERA, it is actually the ADP, the audio description program that we are co-hosting. And oh, yes, okay. I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, in movies and various other programs, uh, they have begun to do more audio description. They don't always include pronouns, but I think it is good. It's often to me, I love to hear what people are wearing. I love to get the description of their clothing, the background, the settings. Uh, when someone is walking or just sitting and it's really quiet, I love that audio description to say there's an African-American young girl sitting at her desk, uh, staring out of the window or something, because we can't see that. I think that's really mm -hmm. important. And I think it's important to to tell, say yes, that she's African-American or that she's 
Japanese, whatever the case may be, because that helps us to set the movie or whatever the program is to get a better feel of what's, for what's actually going on and who the participants are. And, you know, as I said in the beginning, sometimes I, I guess, I don't know, I, I think about it in terms of everybody knows me and if they don't know me, then okay. And I don't always describe myself. I am an African-American, black female. I have shoulder length hair. Today I'm wearing my favorite color, which is a yellowish gold colored blouse. And I, I just love bright colors because they make me feel good. So I thought today I'd be really springy and wear something that was bright. Um, and maybe that does make a difference to know what I'm wearing or for people who don't know that I'm African-American. I know that if I announce my pronouns, of course, there would be she and her. Um, but, you know, sometimes I just, I guess I hesitate because uh, I know that there is still a lot of racism involved. And I know that sometimes when people don't know if you're African-American or if you Japanese or Chinese, which most people can tell from a person's voice, uh, if they're male or female, or if they're African-American or tell by their accent what their actual cultural uh, ethnicity is, but sometimes you can't. And sometimes I wonder how important that is. Uh, we as blind people, I feel like I accept people for who they are and how they accept me. I accept people because uh, they're professional, I can work with them, if I have an issue, I feel that I can go and talk with them and say, hey, this is an issue. We need to discuss it. And it's not about race. It's not about sexual preference. It, it's about being adults, being honest and open and accepting one another as who we are. So I have heard people say, I don't really care what ethnicity the person is. And, and I feel that way as long as they treat me with respect they're going to get respect from me. And so based on the conversations that I've had, I know that there are people who feel fine with the descriptions and there are others who feel that, you know, why do we have to do that? So it, it becomes a matter of, of personal preference, I believe. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. Swatha, any other questions? Oh yeah. Um, so, last like in two thousand nineteen, um, Illinois, the state that I grew up in, um, they passed a law requiring the schools to teach um, some aspects of LGBTQ history or um, teach about the positive contribution positive contributions of LGBTQ people in history in lessons and. Um, it got me wondering, like, what about what about us people people with disabilities? Like, are there people that exist exist in the in the in the intersection intersection of race, gender, disability, LGBTQ status that um, are are talking about or worth like teaching about teaching about teaching about? So yeah. So I'm very happy to hear that um, that they are, they are incorporating LGBTQ history. Um, yeah, I've seen that, um, and and we highly encourage that um, because it is a part of history and it is a part of um, of of our trajectory and uh, becoming uh, or trying to become a more perfect union. And um, I, I want to say, Swatha, that I hope that, uh, and I've said this in in, um, in different celebrations of uh, Pride Month, um, whether it be Pride Connection, which is our um, um, ACB radio show slash podcast, <laughs> and in other, um, other uh, places where I've been asked to talk about it, I, I hope, honestly, without, you know, without trying to without sounding uh i don't i don't want to sound like i'm bragging or i don't want to sound like i i am lacking modesty but i really hope that in future um people like um rob hill who is one of our founders um leah gardner don brown harvey miller harlow peace myself my partner anthony corona uh, I hope we will go down in history 
uh, as as famous um, blind LGBTQ people because, like I said, there's there hasn't been uh, that representation, uh, that intersectionality um, represented, and um, there hasn't been that uh, that spotlight of what are the contributions of people who have that intersectionality. And we we also have, uh, I believe, like Peggy, that we're all human. That's the basis of everything. We're all human. We're people, and that's how we need to treat ourselves. And that's how we need to treat each other. Uh, that's how we need to address each other. Um, however, there are certain particularities. There are certain parts of our makeup that uh, make us unique in that sense. And I do think that the intersectionality, I myself, for example, besides being visually impaired and uh, gay, I'm also Hispanic. So, you know, it's it's that makeup that makes, that brings us to the table with the contributions, um, the very unique contributions that we can offer, not only our society, um, our community, but the world. So I, I really hope that um, we will go down in history as people who have been um, of a diverse background. Um, we also have a lot of African-American, um, you know, Asian, um, Pacific Islander, Hispanic, <laughs> all over, well, all over, all over the place within BPI. Allies, you know, we have uh, allies uh, who are not part of the LGBT community are also a strong part of BPI. So I think we're all uh, making history here. I think I've, I've said it before, ACB will go down in history for having provided the platform for the first and for a long time up until now, uh, a unique organization representing that intersectionality. So that in and of itself is a huge contribution to the history um, of our nation, of our society. Uh, and, and, and as we grow in awareness in advocacy and education, and in fun, because we always have fun um, doing what we do. Um, we, you know, we will we will show the world that there is that diversity, that there is that intersectionality, and that we bring something very unique to the table. Great. That's awesome. Um, Geez, we, we could keep going here all day, folks, but then we might run out of things to talk about at the convention this summer. Um, so we need to show a little bit of restraint. I know it's tough. Um, geez, Gabe and, and Peggy, thank you so much. Um, if folks want to learn more about BPI, Gabe, uh, where should they go? Well, definitely um, you can visit us at blindlgbtpride.org. That's our website. Um, I'll repeat it again. It's blindlgbtpride.org. Uh, if you go to the ACB website as well, acb.org under special interest affiliates, uh, you will find links and uh, there's uh, our contact information is there. And uh, we're, uh, we're open and uh, we welcome questions and we welcome everyone. Um, come as you are. Um, BPI is an open space for you. And yeah. Peggy, what? Sorry, yeah. Peggy, where, where do uh, yeah. people go for in, more information about MCAC? MCAC is a committee of ACB, and we have a page on the ACB website. If you go to www.acb.org and type in Multicultural Affairs Committee, it will take you directly to our webpage. And on there, you will find a list of all of our members, our contact information, as well as activities and programs that, that are some of the past uh, show uh, book discussions that we've done, other, other programs we've done, as well as upcoming events. And Peggy, I know I certainly enjoyed the MCAC luncheon on, on the history of the Underground Railroad at our last in-person convention in Rochester, 2019. So mm -hmm. fingers crossed next year, we'll all be back in person and we can continue those luncheons again. We're looking forward to the luncheons as well as the midweek socials. That was an opportunity for, for everyone to come together for both the 
members uh, from various local states and, and chapters, but it's also an opportunity to, for them to meet with the leaders, get to know them better. And so we're really looking forward to uh, getting back together so we can have more of those. Uh, can I mention one other thing, Clark, that, that I neglected to mention that, that MCAC is doing? Um, we are also right now focusing on a program that reaches directly out to our Hispanic members. We have members around the country, some who speak English, but some who don't. And for the past few years, I know at least seven or eight years, if not longer, I also serve on the membership committee and we have been attempting to find someone who was willing, some volunteers at that point, who were willing to translate uh, all of the information, documents and things for ACB into Spanish. And that did not happen. We had one or two people who did it for a short period of time, but mm -hmm. not to get everything done. So long and short of it is we now have a subcommittee being formed as part of MCAC that will deal directly with making sure that information is getting out there to our Spanish speaking members. We think that is something that's really important. We had the first call a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't as well attended as we had hoped for, but there will be an additional session coming up. The date will be announced and we're hoping to get uh, many more of our, our members who are bilingual or those who speak only Spanish as those sessions are held totally in Spanish so that they will stay informed and will become more active in the organization. That is fabulous. And Swatha, I know that you are uh, a part of that effort as well. So thank you yes. for ensuring that we can effectively communicate to everyone who's blind and experiencing vision loss. And we can make ACB representative of the entire nation and the entire community of people who are blind and visually impaired. Yes. So, Peggy and Gabe, thank you so much for joining us here today. And folks listening on the live stream and on the podcast, please join us at the ACB conference and convention this summer. You can register at acbconvention.org and join the efforts of BB. Uh, BPI, excuse me, and join the efforts of the Multicultural Affairs Committee to make ACB a welcoming, safe, and respectful place where everyone feels included. Uh, and Swatha, we'll close this out. And before we uh, you know, wrap up here on the diversity, equity, and inclusion track of the ACB conference and convention, next week we'll be back featuring another track of programming. So again, a big thank you to everyone for tuning in. And as we always say, keep advocating.